Welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Chip Murphy. We're recording on Thursday night. It's the Kemba Walker episode. We're finally getting around to it. Finally digging deep into free agency, and we have the perfect guest to talk about our new point guard. He's the owner and lead writer for the Playgrounder. He's a Boston Celtics fan and a UConn basketball fan, so he loves Kemba. He is most importantly, a good friend of the pod. Welcome back to the show, Matt Esposito. Dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate, you know, the, the intro got me like Kevin Garnett hyped up. <laughs> it's got to like slap my laptop or something. You deserve it, man. <laughs> but dude, I, I, love, I love being on here and I love talking about Kemba. Um, I think it's good though. I think like we've had a lot of hot take pieces, hot reaction pieces, hot reaction podcasts. Honestly, man, and it's the same thing with summer league. I think sometimes it's good just like, and I'm guilty of it myself, but to let things settle for a second and then think about it, see how the other pieces fall and like then come to your analysis. So like, I think this is the perfect time to listen to anything about Kemba Walker or other players as well that we're going to discuss today. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Obviously Kemba signed a little background Kemba signed a a two-year 18 million dollar deal fully guaranteed with the Knicks uh, left about 20 million dollars on the table in a buyout with Oklahoma City following a trade from Boston Al Horford obviously went back to the Celtics he wanted to come to New York he wanted to come home that was pretty clear and Kemba didn't have his best year in Boston last year struggled a little bit so Matt that's where I want to start because you know that you watch that uh, close. You covered the Celtics very closely. So the Celtics struggled as a team last year, but Kemba only played 43 games, which was pretty low. What exactly was up with Kemba last year, in your opinion? What went wrong? Yeah. So um, I think first things first, he did not, you're right. He, the season that he had was subpar for who he is yeah. um, and, the, and for the talent that we've seen. Right. So and, and we, you know, I, I went over the numbers again today and we can, we can dive into that. But I think first things first, what everyone, what every Knicks fan trying to learn about Kemba Walker needs to know is that there are basically two things. Like one, his style of play changed a little bit in Boston. And I think it's actually going to re- revert back to something he's good at in New York. But secondly, you know, health wise, he was rushed back. Um, from his his like knee recovery right so like the nba put out a couple of dates and they ended up you know because of covid long story short the celtics and kemba thought that they were, they were going to have like another month month and a half for him to recover and the season started kind of earlier than what the nba had originally said it would so like he got rushed back in his recovery but that being said like his knee issue is degenerative from everything we've heard so it's going to be a lot about like rep management time management uh it's it's a good thing the Knicks have Derrick Rose. If anything, those two kind of like need each other more than ever right now, right? Like, you know, we saw in the playoffs, like Derrick Rose is still – I'm a big Derrick Rose fan, but he 
you know, kind of lost a little bit as, as, as he, as he uh, had to play more minutes and the playoffs kind of wore down. So like those two can work together, but that's the first thing you guys need to know, like health wise, just be ready for some management um, and, and just keep your fingers crossed. But like, if he is, oh, if he is good enough to go, I do think he can get back to at least that first Boston year or some form that's between that first Boston year and that last Charlotte year, which was a really, really good season. Yeah, that I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that last Charlotte year where he played all 82 games, so, so 25.6 points. I believe he was a uh, third-team All-NBA and an all-star starter. Yeah. He was fantastic that year. So I, I'm not sure he'll ever get back to that. But, yeah, he can – I mean, even if he plays the way he played last year, he's going to be better than Alfred Payton was for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> last year, averaging 19.3 points, 4.9 assists. Yeah, 42% for the field, 36% from three. Uh, he's better than Alfred Payton. So uh, right. Knicks fans were coming in with such a low standard there. But the irony of you saying we're going to use Derrick Rose as an, an injury <laughs> replacement. Is so, I know. That's all I was thinking when you were saying that. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, if you were to go back in time to when I was in high school, and when I went, you know, Derrick Rose was like winning an MVP and I think at the time he was the youngest person to win an MVP and like Kemba Walker was doing his thing for UConn. If you would be like, yeah, guess what? Like one day Derek Rose is going to be the guy Played who against helps each other in high school. Yeah. At the that's garden. right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you were to be like Derek Rose is going to be the guy that helps Kemba kind of manage his minutes and vice versa. Like they're actually a really, really good match for each other just in terms of how they're going to be able to help each other manage their minutes and their, and their workload. But Dude, this is, it's just a weird world. Everything comes full circle. I feel like Kemba was definitely, we say this about all the time, how New York City players need to come back to the Knicks. Yeah. Like we, every time a New York City player is up to be a free agent. But Kemba is a guy who really was destined to come back here. He's so New York. He had the amazing Big East tournament run when he was at UConn at the Garden. Uh, whenever he comes back to the Garden, whether it was with the Hornets or the Celtics, he plays great games. Uh, he was just supposed to come back to the Garden. I feel like – I think you're right. This is, this is a perfect fit. And did you get the feeling – obviously, you've been a fan a long time. Did you ever get the feeling in the past following his career that this is something that he wanted? Yeah, 100%. Like, it's just – I mean, I, I've literally been following Kemba since I first found out UConn was recruiting him. Um, which that's a long time ago. I've been following Kemba for like 15, like roughly 15 years. And like when he was at UConn, the connection with the garden, like, you know, everyone calls the garden just like UConn Southwest. Right. Like, and you know, or like, it's like home away from home. And then you follow him in the NBA and I just, everyone just kind of knew it was going to happen, but it's good. It's good because like, I think what it brings to the Knicks is, one of the things the Knicks were missing last year, despite having a really good season, was someone who can go on a, on a random night when, like, someone's struggling, right? If R.J. Barrett has one of those nights where he's, like, one for six from three, right? Um, or Robinson, you know, maybe gets in foul trouble and, like, you're missing that vertical lob, right? Like, Kemba can go out randomly and get you 38 points, right? That explosion to pair with someone like Julius Randle, who himself can explode, it's going to, it's going to make the Knicks just so much more dynamic, but just in terms of like the personality of the team, it's going to be freaking awesome. It's going to just make basketball so much more fun. And people oftentimes confuse Kemba's happiness. They look at that and they're like, Oh, he's, he's not that competitive. Like, no, this is one of the most competitive guys you're ever going to see play. 
right? Like everything he's had to overcome in his career, his stature, everyone always doubting him. Like if you think because, you know, if you see clips of him smiling during Celtics games, just because they're down like 15 or something, just that's, he, he's a warrior. Like, don't, don't read into that. He's just a happy guy who loves to freaking battle when the time gets there. And Knicks fans are going to love it. Some guys are just like that. Some guys just smile all the time, no matter yeah. what's going on in the game. That's just their personality. Right. And, you know, when he, when he drops a game winner on you, he's going to scream and shout. And then you're going to be like, oh, yeah, like this yeah. guy loves to freaking win. So just get ready for that. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Didn't people used to say that about Giannis? Too, that he would yeah. smile too much and then he he learned to scowl i guess right <laughs> that 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 whole story is fantastic but yeah but about going back to kemba he yeah like i said he was destined to play in the garden but yeah i, I do want to i do want to talk a little bit about on the court stuff and obviously you you have he he played for Jim Calhoun, mm-hmm. who you know well. He played for Steve Clifford. Now he's coming to play for Tom Thibodeau. Again, feels like an incredible match. Steve Clifford, a Tom Thibodeau guy. Jim Calhoun, uh, just another well-known like disciplinarian coach type of guy. And I, I believe he was on the record speaking about Kemba after he came to the Knicks, speaking highly of him again. And it just feels like... Kemba, we talk about Tibbs guys all the time. How do you feel Kemba's going to mesh with Tibbs? And is he a, a Tibbs guy? We always say Tibbs guys. Yeah, you know, so I think a lot of people, and, and, and you, you can fill me in on this, but for a while, one of the books on Tibbs was he's going to run his players into the dirt. That's not going to happen with Kemba. And, like, I've seen a few takes of that on Twitter. Like, oh, like, this guy with a knee issue is going to go to a coach that's going to just run him into the ground. Like, he's not going to do it. I think Tibbs is over that. I think the front office side of the Knicks is going to have a good plan for him, right? Like Kemba's not going to come out next year and average 34 minutes per game. It's not going to happen. And that's a good thing for the Knicks, right? Like, in, trust me, in the long run, you're going to want that to uh, have been the case by the time you get to the postseason. But just in terms of like coaching styles and personalities, I think one of the things that Tibbs values most is someone who's going to punch back. Right. Like that's when I think of Tibbs and just his his personality, his coaching style, someone who's going to hit back or someone who's going to throw the first punch. Like not obviously like figuratively and not literally. Kemba's that guy. Like Kemba's never scared of the moment. He's never going to back down from a challenge. And even if he is getting targeted on defense, he's going to hustle. Right. Like I don't think Celtics fans, you know, ever were disappointed. Like, you know, you didn't hear many Celtics fans like, oh, Kemba just didn't try on defense. Like, no, like maybe his size and stature limit him a little bit, but like he's going to fight. And he actually, if you go back and watch his first few games for the Celtics this year, he was taking charges left and right. And he was just kind of setting the tone. So it's going to match well with Tibbs. Um, And it's going to match so well with the fans at the garden. Trust me. There's going to be, there's going to be a game this season where Kemba drops like, you know, 41 points and hits a game winner. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to love it. Even if it's against the Celtics, I'm going to be like, yes. Like, yeah. that's, that's my guy right there. Fans are so, so hyped. I'm, I mean, yeah. fans, I'm so hyped that he's here. <laughs> like, I I'm, I've, haven't been this excited about a player coming to the Knicks since Mello. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's the most exciting addition, I think, <laughs> that we've had. He's the most exciting. The only, the only thing more exciting was the potential addition of Zion, I think, was, yeah. <laughs> was <laughs> that we thought we might get Zion. But, no, he's – yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a huge possibility. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned the defense and that 
I mean, when some people were talking about that, that, that obviously is a concern because they added, they added Fournier too, who I want to talk to you about because he was yeah. with the Celtics and, but uh, yeah, but they, even, oh no, it, go ahead. No, well, even, even defensively, like obviously he has his limitations, but I still see the Knicks as being an above average defensive team or at least having the tools to be so right. Like they have the coach that's known for it. Um, I think RJ Barrett next year is going to be a, a, a better defensive player. Not that, he, not that he's a bad defensive player by any mean, but I'm just trying to like intimate that he's going to keep growing. He has all the tools and he loves to compete. Um, uh, Mitchell Robinson is a pretty good guy. Bro- Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> you know, I, I'm coming back around on him a little bit, but um, he's, you know, actually the Knicks have two really good defensive anchors. Like Noel is, is really good as well. Contract um, turned out to be really good. It's a lot of incentives and yes. not guaranteed, non-guaranteed. It's a good contract. It turned out. Yeah. If, if, if we have time, I want to get to some Knicks contracts. Cause like, sure. I, I have, I don't know how I feel about them. I don't know. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's, Are we, it's, is the Fournier contract one of them? No, well, like not really, but in a way, I don't know. It's like, um, okay. All right. Yeah. Continue, like, continue your Kemba. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get, yeah, to, we'll get to Fournier. We'll get, Cause yeah. I love Fournier. So no, no, no. I it's, it's more so that like, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's confusing. It's, it's like getting like a text from like an ex-girlfriend who's engaged or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do I do? What's my role here? Um, but yeah, I, I think the Knicks are still going to be a really comp- they're going to be a smart defensive team. Um, they're going to all take a step forward. And next year, they're going to have, they're going to have nights where their offense is just freaking explosive and everything is clicking. So that's exciting. I love when you score a lot of points in the garden. And, and, but so for, for his, his style of play, like, you know, I would encourage Knicks fans to go to his basketball reference site. Look at Kemba's last two years, but uh, go to the, go to the adva- advanced stats, right? You're going to see a dip in usage rate. And you're going to see a dip in, uh, you're going to see an increase in three point attempt rate. So like more of his field goal attempts were three pointers overall. And that's because on the Celtics, you had some other guys that commanded the ball, right? So like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, even Marcus Smart to some extent um, and, and Gordon Hayward for a year. So like for Kemba, he played a little bit of a different role. He was off the ball more. I think he's most effective he's going to be more effective the more he has the ball in his hand, right? And with the Knicks and their personnel, I'm not saying guys like Barrett aren't talented and don't deserve the ball, and especially Randall and quickly, but um, I think Kemba's going to be more of the Kemba of Charlotte, maybe not talent-wise, but in terms of the role that he plays, and that's a better role for Kemba. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing how he's used offensively. Cause I, I think he's going to go back to something that just suits him better. Right. He, uh, according to clean the glass, took the, the fewest shots at the rim, uh, uh in his entire career percentage wise. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought up his shot profile. Do you mm-hmm. think that was like, you mentioned him playing off the ball more. Do you think it was about that or it was about injuries? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, me, like me personally, I think basketball is one of the hardest sports to analyze in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, who, who looks, who's explosive and, and who's not like you, you see the drop off, but only when it's like a distinct drop off. Right. So like, you know, the, I was watching the, uh, did you watch the mouse on the palace documentary yet? I didn't, I didn't watch that one yet. I got to watch it. 
It was fun. It was, look at me beating you to the punch. To, I know, I know. <laughs> on TV, I got to get caught up. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was okay. It was good. It was fun. It was a fun watch. I like how they kept it relatively short. But uh, I was thinking about Jermaine O'Neal. Like, first few years for a big man, like, always above the rim, trying to break the rim. And then you see him progress and, like, not as much pop. I think basketball is one of the hardest sports to determine that for. Like, in football, we see it. Like, oh, that guy's not fast anymore. Um, in baseball, the guy puts on 25 pounds and like, I don't know if he's got it anymore. Right. So it's always, I don't want to make a definitive claim for his injury and like how it related to his explosiveness and going to the rim. It probably had some level of impact. I'm just, I don't know, like I'm not Kemba Walker and I'm not one of his team doctors or trainers. And if you were to put clips side by side of him going to the hoop when he was healthy versus last year, I think to the naked eye, it'd be kind of hard to tell anything different. Um, and he was always a below the rim player regardless. So I, I, I'm sure some of it was him maybe not having a little bit of explosiveness, but I think another part of it was him having a different role. Um, I would expect his numbers at the rim to go up, at least in attempts. I would expect them to go up. I think, and plus I think the Knicks are going to be a better offensive team regardless. So that'll help because um, he'll have more opportunities. But I would, I would expect, you know, I love cleaning the glass. Um, I, a, a dirty secret is I like, I unsubscribed for a little bit and I need to get back on it. Um, don't tell anyone, please. please. <laughs> we'll, edit we'll, we'll edit that part out. Cause yeah, I'll tell Danny like, to edit that part out. <laughs> it's like, it's like a Holy grail for, for basketball yeah. heads, but um, no, that's a really good point that you brought up and I would expect it to change. I think he's going to be a little more aggressive next year. Yeah, I think so too. His his field goal percentage at the rim just shot up, obviously, because he's taken fewer shots than he usually mm. is. And I think like, look, it's you mentioned the offense getting better. They upgraded the point guard so spot so much. Yeah, the yeah. offense they were so bad with Peyton on the court, I and know. obviously they're going to be so much better with Kemba that you would think that the numbers offensively are just going to shoot up, even if Randall regresses a little bit, which you would think he's he's not going to shoot 40-plus percent on pull-up threes for the second year in a I row when, when he's never done anything like that before. But even if he regresses a little bit, and even if Kemba doesn't improve that much, the offense is going to get better. I do agree with you on that. But uh, I, I – what was I going to say? Uh, the, let's move on to the, the contracts. We, yes. We, the, uh, the, you wanted to talk about Fournier is what you said. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Fournier's deal. It was uh, four years, 78, I believe, right? Four years. Yes, I believe, I believe it was just shy of 80 million. Um, that's a good deal. Like, you know, one of the things, <laughs> this, I, we need to do a better job, like myself included. Um, and I'm talking like directly to fans. I'm going to be like very teachery and kind of like scold fans for a second. Like, I think we need to do a better job of recognizing how much a player's salary, like, what percentage that is of the cap, because if he's making 19, 19 and a half million dollars a year, that's not that large of a percentage of the cap. And yes, $19 million a year is a large figure, but relative to like the total amount, the total amount of money a team can be spending on a player. It's actually a pretty good deal, right? Like at least in my opinion, the way I value him, the way he looked um, the past, like, like this summer and in, in the past year, I think it's a good deal so I like it but part of me I mean he 
he also is probably going to be used in a trade at some point, right? Like to me, that was the first thing that I thought, like it's around $20 million. So it's going to take up a lot of salary. He's a good player. And now they can package him with someone. You know, I know Knicks fans love RJ Barrett and trust me, I love RJ Barrett just as much as Knicks fans. Yeah. Um, You're a big RJ Barrett fan. Oh, he's going to be so freaking good next year. Oh my goodness. But um, now they can package those two together. If that big name star were to become available. And I don't know how Knicks fans feel about that, but I always assumed that for, for them, the long-term plan is like, we're not going to, Fournier is not going to be in New York four years if I had to bet on it right now. And I don't know, like what, like, what are your thoughts on him, his contract, his long-term stay there? Or do you think it's going to be sent away in a trade eventually? I'm a huge Evan Fournier fan. I've wanted him on the team for a really long time. So I think it's a great move. And it's also, it's the fourth year is a team option. So right. I think he's going to be a huge help. And like you said, I think if he continues to play like he's played throughout the last whatever three or some odd years, mm. it's going to be a very tradable contract. Mm. And it's the kind of contract that, say, a contender would want or any team would want, really, if they're trading a star player. So he's, right. he's that kind of guy. And I agree with you, in four years, probably not going to be on the team. But, yeah, I, I think he was probably signed to be traded, but – He's a good player. He's the kind of guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands. Very good shooter. Moves well without the ball. Cuts. Uh, I, not a primary ball handler. You don't, want, you don't want the ball in his hands too much. More of a secondary. But he's going to help Julius. He's going to help RJ out. He's going to help. I think he could even help Mitch out, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. But that depends more on Mitch, probably. But, um. Uh, yeah, I like Evan coming in, obviously. But uh, as far as brought up trading RJ, that's kind of like a, a Knicks fan civil war, I would say. Because I, I think there's some, <laughs> there's some Knicks fans who would just trade their twin brother for Damian Lillard, <laughs> right, <laughs> much, right, much right. less trade RJ Barrett. But uh, I think there's a lot of Knicks fans who, who feel like me, who there's probably only a few, maybe you could count on one hand of the players in the NBA who you trade RJ Barrett for. Like in your opinion is Damian Lillard. One of those guys. Absolutely not. So I'm, I'm split on it. Like part of me really wants to see him in New York city. And I think that the pairing of him and Randall um, is really, really good. But at the same time, I also feel as though it's a lot of money to pay someone who's going to, be aging although i think his game is going to age well um and even if the knicks were to get a guy like dame are they better than the nets are they better than what That's philadelphia the, is gonna are they be better than milwaukee are they better the heat than, they just added lowry yeah although i i don't know if i'm too sold on them in the future but me neither me neither yeah yeah That's funny. and how long is toronto going to be down by the way you also right. have to think about that. And how long is are the Celtics? Jason right. Tatum is only going to get better. Jalen Brown's only going to get better. And are they going to get Bradley Beal? You have that whole situation oh, looming. I'm there. betting on it. I'm <laughs> um, I'm I'm betting on Bradley Beal to the Celtics. Yeah. Um, but so that's that's the thing. But it's again like it's what the Knicks front office wants to do, right? Like if if they they might look at Dame Lillard eventually and be like, you know what, we actually do have the assets to get this guy. It's going to be huge for the team right? For changing the culture of the team, changing the, the trajectory of this team. I don't know. I would expect at some point, 
I, you know, if I had to guess, Fournier would probably play definitely this this full season as a Nick. But it's the NBA, man. Like, you never know what star is going to become available. You know, like, what if, um, for example, I, I've been waiting for years just for Carl Anthony Towns to be like, like, what am I doing in Minnesota? Like, what? <laughs> like, why am I here still? Like, I don't know. God bless whoever. He must be like a Buddhist and have some kind of Tibetan monk as a mentor, just the way he's able to like stay calm and not request a trade yet. But for example, if he were to become open, like, I don't know who it would take, but I know the Knicks probably have the assets to get him if that type of star were to become available. Right. Or if someone like Donovan Mitchell, who is, you know, from Greenwich, which is not far from New York. Right. Like if he were to say, "Mm, I don't want Utah anymore because it's Utah. They have the assets. So the Knicks are in a good place in terms of who they can offer. Um, And it's the NBA. Like, that star is going to pop up. And Fournier's contract is a big part of getting there. Towns, I feel like you wouldn't have to give up R.J. Barrett to get. I feel like you could get him for Mitch. You could build the trade around Mitch. You you shouldn't have to give up R.J. for. And he's definitely not on the R.J. Barrett list. As far as Donovan Mitchell, it's close. You put Donovan Mitchell and Randall, but I'm still not sure he's on the, the R.J. Barrett list either. And you would, and Utah would have every right to demand R.J. Barrett. They should yeah, not. Right. They should not give up their their best player since Stockton and Malone for right. anything less than R.J. Barrett. There's no way they should do that. So I personally, I would, I would do that. Just I think, I think he's so young. Um, like in this hypo, in this hypothetical, like I think he's so young. I think he's exactly he's a perfect fit for the organization. I love R.J. Barrett. I just think, like, you know, will R.J. Barrett ever become the type of player Donovan Mitchell is? I have no idea what the odds of that are, but I know that Mitchell's already super talented. But, again, like, the Knicks are in a good place in terms of at least having the money to put in a trade in the assets. It's just what kind of assets are you willing to throw in there, which is what I thought this whole offseason was about for the Knicks. Like, bringing back a guy like Burks, uh, $10 million. I thought that was a pretty good contract for him. I thought the Derrick Rose contract was a little bit of an overpay. Like who are they bidding against really? But again, all those, all those, they're basically all two year deals if the Knicks want them to be right. So I don't know. I, as of right now, here, here's what I'm torn between for their contracts. Right. So on the one hand, I look at the Fournier signing, the Kemba signing, the Rose signing, the Burke signing, the Noel signing. And when you add them up, it's somewhere around 90 million. And I'm like, did the Knicks just pay $90 million in new contracts to maybe just end up losing in the first round again? But on the other hand, I just think that something will be in the works for them eventually that will include those contracts. So like if, if someone were to be like, Hey, you know, give your Knicks, give your off season grade for the Knicks. I would just be like, I'll, I'm going to give you an NA. Right. Because it's an I just, incomplete. I agree. It's an incomplete. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. And, and fans hate to hear that, but that's just what it is. It's an incomplete. And there's a really good chance that one day we revisit it and we're like, whoa, like their front office was really, really pressing, really, really smart and forward thinking. And the Knicks will have gotten some star, whoever that is. Yeah. The, the amount of fans who were acting like us giving Evan Fournier $80 million was like giving a 15th man on the bench $80 million. The end of the world, it was so, it was so bizarre. Like, just wait. He's good. See, see, yeah, he's a good player. He's, and he's, you got to wait and see what the, 
what the details are. What were your, what were your impressions of Fournier though in Boston last year? So, you know, it, it was, it was tough because of uh, the COVID thing right away. And we didn't get to see him in too many games, but I like who he is, right? Like he, he ended up being in a very limited sample size. I thought he ended up being good for the Celtics and he, we kind of know the player that he is, right? Like he can create a little bit for you if, if you need him to get his own shot. He's a really good floor spacer. He's just freaking smart with the ball. Like, I, I don't know what they do in France, but they produce some of the highest IQ basketball players you're ever going to see. Like from Boris Diaw to Tony Parker to Fournier to even like, you know, if you – I was Frank watching Frankie some... <laughs> Okay, that, that's the one name we don't have to mention. Uh, <laughs> but like I was watching – um the Celtics summer league and their second round pick uh, Bagarin Bedger. I still can't say his last name. And I've literally heard Doris Burke say it a thousand times. Um, and you know, even someone 19 years old, a French player like him was able to understand the pace of the game. And you're just watching, you know, like, yo, everyone here is so smart. So the Knicks are going to like that. And defensively, he's another one of those guys that has physical limitations, but he actually like hustles hard and moves his feet and and knows where to be on defense so he's gonna fit right in i like him i knicks fans are gonna grow to love him right and he's gonna hit some big shots for you the the playoff performance thing people have knocked him in the past for his playoff performances but honestly i i think that he'll be just fine i think sometimes a change of location is what you need um i'm assuming so he he's gonna start next year for the knicks and I just want to very quickly go over their starting lineup just to make sure we have it down. So it's going to be Kemba, right? It's going to be Fournier. It's going to be Barrett. And then Randall and Robinson? Like, or uh, at I some would. point? Right? No, like, I, I would – I would the, four fir- the first four names, yes. I would say you can pencil those guys in. I think you. I would still say maybe some Knicks fans would – disagree with me i'm not sure yet about the the center spot what do you think it's gonna I, be i don't think they're i think it's possible it could be nerlands i think I so too yeah <laughs> he was really good mm-hmm. he's a really good basketball player right i regardless though that's pretty good it's i think defensively rj is going to be the you know rj is probably going to be tasked with guarding the best wing or forward and then which is He's he's gonna be a good defender next year. I think that's then, what Tibbs wants to, to push him. Like yeah. Push, pushes. Uh, he. I mean, he pushed Jimmy Butler. Guard the best defensive yeah. player in the NBA. Guard the best player on the other team. So we'll yeah. see if RJ can do that. I think I think he can. Just everything from I, I've seen from him. Just remembering what he was doing, like his stuff during like the the draft process. I think he can do it. And then Noel's a hell of a rim protector. I mean, he's like a pretty good passer in his own race. Like it's just a really good balance and. I thought last year the Knicks had like a, a they were a better defensive team than offensive team, but they had a good balance. Next year you're going to have a good balance again, but you're also going to have just more dynamic offense. Like you know, think of it. Um, the the analogy I would use, and it's not a perfect one, but like the 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 Chiefs, right? The Kansas City Chiefs have those games where you look up and they've scored like 43 points. Or but a better example is. They're, you know, that playoff game, they were down to Houston. I think it was what, like 24 nothing or something. And then you, you look up and they're winning the game. And it happened in like a span of 12 minutes. The Knicks are going to have nights like that because they just have that extra element in Fournier and Kemba. And 
yeah, bet bet a bet bet the over next year <laughs> on the Knicks. Who's the I? I'm just to stay on that for a second. Who is the Knicks Pat Mahomes in your opinion? I want to know. Okay, so that's why it's not a perfect <laughs> analogy, but just like the the ability to pop off, right? Um, like you know, maybe here, here's a better one. Here's a better one. I don't know if you guys are are baseball fans, but um, the Red Sox had for a very short stint. They had Willie Mo Pena, who would like strike out all the time, but occasionally would hit a ball like 515 feet, right? Even that's not a good one because the Knicks are going to be more consistent. Here's uh, what I'm I don't know if their offense is going to be consistent. Their defense is always going to be consistent. But oh, I think their offense is going to be – I think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be significantly better. It Just, is, but don't you think they're going to be mm, – I feel like they're going to be resting Kemba. They're, they're going to manage his minutes. Um, that's, that's for sure, right? But even, even Fournier, like, I remember last year watching the Knicks, the whole time I was like, man, if they just had one more guy who could create for themselves, right? Even Fournier is going to bring a, a little bit more. And, like, in the NBA, so many games come down to, you know, are three or four points in the last four minutes. And the Knicks are just going to be so much more competitive. Right. So like, yeah, you don't have, you don't have a Patty Mahomes. Uh, you definitely don't have a William Opania. I feel like I hit, I hit both sides of the analogy without landing in the middle somewhere, but you're just going to be more dynamic. And like the, the phrase that I've fallen in love with lately um, is like, do you have someone who can leverage the defense? Kemba can do that, right? He can make the defense be compromised and then create from there. Uh, Fournier can do that. I think RJ Barrett's getting better at doing that. We already know Randall can do it. So you're going to have more opportunities to put the defense in a situation they don't want to be in, and it will result in more efficient offense and just, just more points. Um, and you have a guy who can go and, you know, if, if Randall is going up against one of the better defenders in the league, I always thought the Knicks last year were kind of missing that guy that could, that could be the Robin in a sense. And I think Fournier and Kemba can definitely pick up the slack there and, there's a good chance Julius Randle has just as good of a season next year because of it. Yeah. I mean, the playoffs showed that pretty well, but I like if he could have used some help in the playoffs, but to the, to the Robin thing, I mean, as important as Kemba and Fournier are going to be next year, the most important Nick is RJ Barrett. Yeah. He's, he's got to get better. He, he, he was good this year, and his yeah. three-point shooting was a huge improvement. But if he doesn't get any better, the Kemba signing doesn't make much difference, I don't think, and the Fournier signing doesn't. I mean, it makes a difference. I shouldn't say that. But I'm not sure no, if but RJ I know what puts up the same numbers yet. I, I don't know if they win a playoff series. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's got to take a step forward. The, the thing that gives me confidence with him is like, regardless of how you scout him on film, the one thing that we've consistently heard about RJ Barrett is that he's like the hardest, one of the hardest working players in the NBA. And that's, that's who he is as a person. Like he's not going to stop working and working and working. And you saw the results last year. He was a better three point shooter. Um, He next year, he's, he's got to take another step forward in his perimeter shooting and just, like, I don't know. I know what I saw this year from RJ Bear. I don't know. Like, what, what did you see that you thought he did well? And, and what do you think that he needs to improve? Well, obviously, the three-point shooting is what I love the most out of him. Yeah. And I thought, so, obviously, like any rookie, his, his shot selection was 
yeah. his shot selection struggle, but he just played so much smarter this year. And his, I mean, he had this brutal shooting slump to start the season. And it was, like, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league to finish the year. I mean, he was just spotting up in the corner with so much confidence. And he was just attacking the rim like a vet and making big shots. And if there's one thing I would say would key in on more than anything that he needs to work on. It's he does still get tunnel vision when he's going to the basket. Yeah. Like he, he misses open player sometimes. And that, that again, he's young. That's the kind of thing that he can work on. I'm sure he's working on now. And I think he's still working on a shot now because he's the next step. As we've said, as Knicks fans have been saying, he's a spot up shooter right now. The next step is to be able to, to pull up and hit the three off a screen at the top of the key or on the wing, whatever. And I'm sure he's working on that. I'm sure like every guard wing in the NBA, he's working on a step back three right now. They all have that. And I'm sure that he's trying to get one too. He's a smart guy, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I'm really high on RJ. That's why I said earlier, there's only a handful of players in the NBA that I trade him for. Luka Doncic is one of them. So most, most of them are guys that are never going to become available anyway. So it's not even worth having a conversation. I mean, you cross your fingers about Luca, but let's be honest. No, but but you, you're right, and and you know, for me, this this is how I kind of um, like to look at young players sometimes, and and I think it's gonna. And, and by the way, you brought up a good point about his tunnel vision, um, but I, I just personally, I know, I think that's a, a shot selection thing. I I think he has incredible vision. I don't think it's him not being able to see players. I think it's him choosing not to pass to them and going up for the shot. But how I see it is this, like. You know, your first year in the league, a lot of rookies are like one play is the wrong word, but like one step behind just in terms of the pace of the game and how quick it is. Um, I thought at times that was RJ Barrett, his freshman, his rookie year, his, his next year in the league, which was last year, I thought, okay, this guy, he gets the speed of the game, right? He's in the play. He gets it next year. I fully expect for him to be the one who plays the game one play ahead, right? Like very similar. It's one of the things that makes a, a prospect like Lonzo Ball so special during his scouting process was he was able to process the game quicker than anyone else and knew what he was going to do like two steps before anyone did anything. I think that's going to be RJ next year where he's dictating the pace of the game and he's seeing the game one play ahead. Um, and it makes sense. Like, it's it's just tougher competition guys are longer guys are quicker so i fully expect that next year and i think you guys are going to see um really the you're going to see more flashes we saw flashes of what rj can do this year next year you're going to see those flashes and like of course i have to say this i'm fully in on rj barrett and i'm i'm one of the there's like um i think there's like three of us in total who Truly, like truly, 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 not because we're like Knicks fans or Duke fans or whatever it is, who truly believe RJ Barrett is just going to end up being a better player than John Morant. I'm, I'm waiting for the day I can just like circulate that old article I wrote. I I have it in my drafts. Um, I think it's going to happen. I think towards the end of last season, people were kind of like, whoa, like, should we revisit this? I think we're going to revisit that again next year. And it's not a knock on John Moran. I just think RJ has has special tools that are a little bit different. It might be actually better for 
a team and team success. You mean how like John Morant can't shoot and RJ can? Like that's kind of an important thing. Isn't that crazy though? Like that wasn't, it's so weird. It's like John Morant's like, um, I'm going to look up his three point numbers, but it's, it's super low. I know that. It's not good. And in the part that makes a difference is like, uh, John Moran is being, uh, you know, for a guard, it's, it's even more important. Yeah, no, he's shooting. He went from 33% from three, his first year in the league to 30%. Yeah. And that's not good. <laughs> and he, yeah. and, his, on, and only on 3.8 attempts, by the way, too. So he's, it's not like not he's good. firing away. Yeah. No. And, and, RJ is going the other way. And, and of course there are different types of shots, but like, but, but you're right. It's not like, like if John Morant was taking seven threes a game, which is totally reasonable for a guard and, you know, you know, 3.5 of them were pull-ups. You could be like, okay, he's going to figure it out. Right. But the pull-up three-point shot is probably the hardest one to do for any player on the court, but that's kind of not the case. And not to make this into like a job versus RJ Barrett thing, but, um, I don't know. It is going to be a thing though for a long time. I feel it like, is. yeah, it is. It's, it's absolutely going to be a thing. Cause I like, you know, if you were to go back in time and kind of look at the different archives drafts or mock drafts, I should say like people had RJ Barrett number one for a long, long time. And then John Morant just totally leapfrogged him. And I feel like, you know, we, we didn't do a good enough job as, you know, either professional or amateur scouts being like, are we sh- like, are we sure? Right. Like when you look at John Morant, the way he takes off and lands on the court, it just kind of looks like a walking injury waiting to happen. So there's that, there's the shooting. I don't know. I, I, I think he's a very, I think he's a very, very good player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. That is a concern more, more than the shooting is the, the injury potential. Cause he's so, he plays like a, a bat out of hell on every possession, which is why he's so good. Don't get me right. wrong. Like, and so many teams would love to have him as their point guard because there's so much potential there. But yeah, yeah, it, it scares you when he goes up. There's, you're like, oh my god, is is he? And we talked about Derrick Rose earlier. Is there like a, a Derrick Rose? He plays like Derrick Rose used to play with like reckless he abandon. He really does play like D Rose. But it's scary. Yeah, it's you know you wonder. Memphis took him. They had just gotten rid of Mike Conley. It was right. a natural fit slide in the new point guard Toronto. It seemed like though they would have taken Jalen Suggs and they just took Scotty Barnes instead. So yeah. It, and he's going to be good. Weird. But... Yeah. I think he's going to be good too. If, if Toronto took him, he's probably going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. That's what they that's, do. Yeah. I, I trust them more than anyone else. But yeah. It's, it's why like, you know, it's why the Knicks in general have a different can afford to have a different team building, like long-term team building roster construction mentality than Memphis or even a team like New Orleans. Like, if, if I was a general manager of the Pelicans, I'd be going all in to win right now because, like, there's a good chance Zion is kind of one of those similar to, like, when an NFL running back just goes super hard for three or four years and then just falls off a cliff, like Sean Alexander, you know, Priest Holmes. I think there's a good chance that that happens just the way that that guy's built. Um, kind of like Bo Jackson. That's what he reminds me of. Right. And then you have, we're doing all the sports references. Wow. Today. Yeah. We're going <laughs> Willie Mo Pena. Yeah. Like uh, Adam, we talk about Adam Dunn. Who's some of the yep. other guys that used to whiff. And, oh, Chris Davis retired today too. There it is. See, yeah. we're going totally full circle. Um, but yeah, I would do, if I was Memphis, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, you know, dude, let's just go, let's go for an out. Let's go for now. So I don't know, but 
Uh, I like the Knicks, you know, long story short, I like the Knicks and what, what they have the flexibility to do now and do long-term. And by the way, like Julius Randle signing that contract, like, man, good for him. And like, obviously he got paid, but he also, it was, it's a team friendly ish deal. And that was huge for the Knicks because every dollar counts. You never see that. You never, never see a guy do the team a favor like that. Not that you should see that because teams mm. just F guys over so much. Like you, right. w- you look back at the, the infamous Masai Ujiri, DeMar DeRozan trade story where he told him he wasn't going to trade into his face and then traded him the next day for Kawhi Leonard. So you, you could, yeah. So you, you don't expect guys to do stuff like that, but it just shows the closeness and the trust that Randall has in Leon Rose and worldwide West. And yeah. it also makes you think like, does Randall know that somebody's on the way? Like, because why, else, why else would he do something like that? 100, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There is, there are so many signs, so many tea leaves. I don't know if you guys are Harry Potter. Well, I know well, you're I, Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, I am. You know why? Uh, <laughs> dumb question. What? Who is it? Professor Professor Trelawney, who does like uh, divinity or whatever it is. Uh, is that the? It's the crazy. Like she's kind of like the the glasses wacky. one. The glasses one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Go find her. Right. Go to go to Hogwarts and be like, hey, <laughs> here are here are all the things that I've seen from the Knicks lately. Like the contracts, the Julius Randall signing what's going to happen? And, and she'll be like, yeah, something's going down. Right. So these are good omens for Knicks fans. I like that. We worked the Harry Potter reference. I know. I, show I, again. I had to, I had to do, can we, can we each do Here's what, here's one thing I want to do really quickly. Um, I'm going to push you to watch one show and then I want you to give me one show that I should watch. Ooh. Okay. I have mine ready to go. Uh, go shoot. And I know I tweeted at you about this before. Oh, I think I know what it was. Yeah. I need you to watch uh, Search Party. Search Party. Yeah. You told, me, you told me about that one. I've heard about this one from a couple people that it's really good. HBO Max, right? HBO Max. Uh, it's New York City based. I, I love the main character and I'm totally blanking on her name, but she's absolutely beautiful. That's not why that's, I mean, it's a reason, it's a reason why I love her, but um, I, I can't, I can't think of her name. I'll, I'll think of it, but regardless, dude, it's just an awesome show. It's they're short. They're like 25, 26 minutes. You can binge them. It hooks you right away. It's like, it's about, it's about millennials, but you buy, you don't have to be a millennial to watch it. And it's got a lot of twists and turns. It's going to grip you search party. I need you to watch it. Cause I just subscribed uh, what is it? The the couch critic, the couch critic. Thank I you ju- very much for subscri- the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I just subscribed today, and like I I did it. I timed it so that I could say I subscribed, and then like use that as a bribe to get you to watch the show and then write about it. That is a pretty good bribe because uh, I I'm desperate for people to subscribe to this newsletter. So I Dude, I have to watch the show now. I have to watch this show. It's so good for for whoever's listening. It's your your television takes are, are I actually like lean on them to tell me what to watch and, and how to feel about it. I'm like, maybe I should have felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. And yes, to anyone listening, if you, if you don't know, I did start a newsletter uh, called like Matt said, the couch critic. Yeah. And it's about heavily about TV. Yes. And I'm going to give some TV recommendations in each one. But I am going to focus on some hoops too. Yeah. 
maybe some Knicks in there, but also I want to go in on, on just NBA and maybe even college hoops when college hoops start up again in general. Cause I, I miss following college basketball. I want to get more into it. Me too. Year. Me yeah, too. I really love college basketball. So I, it's, it's great. And, it's a pretty uh, easy sell, you know, like if, if you like, uh, everyone always needs to find new shows. Yeah. Boom. There you go. Like you're exactly. really good at you're really good at writing about that. And guess what? Everyone likes basketball. Yeah. Really, everyone loves basketball and everyone, like I, I wrote in the, the first issue, I was like, look, I feel like everyone's always looking for stuff to watch. And when you type in what to watch, it's always like, same Oh, stuff. uh, it's always the same stuff. And it's like, I type when I was writing this, I was like, uh, I typed in what to watch and it said, watch outer banks. And I'm like, do you really think I haven't watched outer banks? I yet? know It's the number one thing on Netflix. Like, it would be like, it would be like, you know, imagine you came to me and you were like, hey, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. I'm looking for a new movie. And I was like, have you heard of this movie called The Godfather? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I hate that. And I always do that. I always go on my phone and I go on Safari and I'm like, all right, you know, best movies, Netflix. And it's the same stuff every single They're like, here are the top 40 movies. And I'm like, you know, how many times am, am I going to watch Superbad, a movie that I love, but like I need something different? Yeah. When they, when the Netflix thing, when they have you pick the random thing, they have that option where you can pick I've something never random. Yeah. And then they, I picked it before and then they just go to like the new Netflix thing. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. It's really funny. That's great. But, uh, I do want to give you two, yes. two things to watch. And, okay. uh, what you, one of them is a popular Netflix thing, but I'm trying to get it to come back and that's manifest. The, Sell me on it. So, all right, I watched, I watched the trailer, and I was like, I don't know. So you haven't? You just watched the trailer. You haven't watched the show at all. I, okay. I watched. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was like when you hover over the show on Netflix, and it shows you like a random clip. I was like, I don't know about that. Sell me on it, because everyone says it's awesome. It's really, really good, and it got canceled after three seasons, unfortunately. But the first two are on Netflix now, and the okay. third one's on Hulu, and I assume it's coming to Netflix. But yeah, there's a huge campaign to bring it back. Save I love Manifest. That. Yeah. It's, uh, and like the creator of the show is involved in everything. But it's about passengers on this plane. That's why I kind of compared it to a lost 4400 type of show. And they all disappear for like five and a half years and are presumed hmm. dead. And to them, it feels like they've been they just had like a, a normal plane ride. Like it just, they had some turbulence and then they came back and to everyone else, five and a half years passed and they aged and life went on. But to them, they didn't age a day yet. Like they just looked the same. Like there's, there's one kid on the show who had a twin sister That's and weird. he stayed the same age and his sister is now five years older than him. Oh, okay. That's funky. Yeah. 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 But the main characters are, uh, Ben and Michaela, their names are. And one is a cop, of course, because you, you need to get a cop involved yep. in a show like this. And yep. she comes back. And of course, her best friend is married to her ex-boyfriend or whatever. And Of course. Yes. And the husband, uh, the, her brother, Ben, his uh, wife is like, it's weird. She's like, at the beginning, she's hiding some secret from him. And... Uh, <laughs> And at right away, it's, it's really interesting because they start hearing these voices in their head yeah. that they're, that are their own voices. And they're like, you okay. need to, when they're driving by somewhere, they're like, 
uh, help him or something like that. They're being told to do stuff. And I don't know. I don't want to spoil the first episode for you because it is important in the first one if you're going to watch it. But basically, they're being led to help people out by voices in their head. And they don't, obviously, they haven't explained what these voices are, but they call them the callings. And it's basically, they follow around and they're trying to find all the other passengers on the plane to find out what these voices mean. And if all of them have these voices in their head, and of course, the government is, has their eye on them and is watching right. them and is trying to find out how this happened and if they can harness this power. And that's the, the evil villain of the show is the government. Some, I don't want to, again, don't want to spoil yeah. that for you, the reveal of that. But uh, it's, dude, it's really interesting. And if you've ever liked any sci-fi show, if you like Lost or 4400, you're going to love this one. And okay. It's, it's really good. You should check so it out. So is it, one of my, uh, I, one of my, I only have one app idea. And it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be for like, um, so my mom and I love to watch shows together, but like, there's always, there always can be that awkward, like, you know, a, a young, a young man is going to watch, maybe going to want to watch a show with like gore or violence or boobs. Oh and, no, like, it's on NBC. Mom, it's okay. On NBC. So yeah. Cause that's, that's my app idea. It's called, can I watch this with my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be a thumbs down, a, a sideways thumbs or a thumbs up. Thumbs um, up for sure. Okay. It's a, okay. What's, what's the other show? Uh, that is the show that I recommended in uh, the newsletter today. And that's called, it's an old show called Dirty Sexy Money. Yeah. And it was on, wow. yeah, in 2007, from 07 to 09. And I, I kind of compared it to Succession because it's like a- Love it's a, Succession. Yeah. It's a, it's a rich, fucked up family. They're, uh, the family is the darlings. And uh, Donald Sutherland, obviously Keith or Su- Kiefer Sutherland's yep. dad, plays like the patriarch of the family. He's a G. Yeah, he's fantastic actor. He's so good on the show, and he has a you know he has I think it's yeah three sons and two daughters, and one of the daughters is like again this is two thousand seven, yep. so Paris Hilton was huge back then. Yeah, it's clearly she's trying to do like the character is trying to do like a Paris Hilton type thing. And the other one is a, the other character is like a, the other sister or daughter, whatever, is like a, a drunk kind of, she's been divorced like three times and she's in love with the main character who, is, who becomes the family lawyer in the pilot episode okay. after his father dies under mysterious circumstances. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah, he was initially the family lawyer, and he like he resents the family, the Darling family, because his father kind of always prioritized them over him. Right. And he decides to uh, take the job though because he wants to investigate his father's murder, and he thinks that one of the people in the family murdered him. And as you can imagine, these really, really rich people have a lot of secrets and they're really fucked up. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it was on ABC, so it's not, you know, there's not cursing and stuff like there is on uh, Succession. But so it's, it's a know. thumbs up. It's, it's, oh, it's a thumbs up. It's, it's a, a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah, it's a thumbs up. But <laughs> yeah, it is shows. a thumbs up. But <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I was right because I'm trying to recommend like obscure shows and right. uh, it's one that popped into my mind. And you can watch it for free on a... Nice. Uh, abc.com i think has it for free and i I wrote like you can watch for amazon but you got to pay on amazon so just go on abc.com 
that's that dude that's such a good like that's that it's that's such a good idea to find these shows that were overlooked but ended up being incredibly good shows like oh man hey all right i got one last one last tv question for you i don't know if you'll be able to answer or not go for it i watched the first season of twin peaks loved it have you seen have you seen twin peaks i've never seen twin peaks okay so you know what here's what we're gonna do we're gonna throw i'm gonna watch your shows you check out twin peaks and search party and then we'll circle back this will be a cliffhanger because i got i got some twin peaks stuff some search party stuff we gotta talk about okay all right definitely white lotus white lotus that's the one that's the one i was trying to think of that you mentioned i saw that that's an anthology show now right what do you mean they're doing a season two of that I I thought it was a limited. I don't know. That's a good question. I think I saw they're doing because that was another thing. Nothing is a limited series anymore. Nothing. You're right. They, nothing that right. that Perry Mason show that I watch on HBO is supposed to be a limited series. That's what they said. They every time that the show was introduced, the the opening credits it said limited series. Yeah. And now they're doing a season two. They're filming it right now. It's like should okay, I, nothing. Should I finish a that? Series. I stopped after I think an episode and a half. Should I finish it? Nah, you know, you're not missing much. It's right, cool. it's 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 okay. It's not it's just not as good as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. The one the the woman had the ingredients. who plays yeah the woman who plays the nun from Orphan Black she's awesome on it. I heard that was good too. All right, I got a lot of stuff I gotta watch. Yeah. yeah there's there's so much. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, that's why we got the newsletter. That's why. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And uh, and if you check out the newsletter, also look for. Uh, weekly Ted Lasso recaps and reviews because I will put that in there as well. Hell yes. But before we finish up, I yep. do want to talk about the Celtics for next yes. year. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right, yes. that's right. Yes, I do want to talk about Matt wrote an article about Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going with <laughs> we're going Schroeder. Schroeder. <laughs> you have no idea. I, that's so bad. I still have no idea how to say it. I feel like I've heard people say Schroeder. I've heard people say Schroeder. So I've heard people say Schroeder. Really, I've never heard. I that don't one. think. I don't think that's it. I think it's just no, Schroeder. I don't think it's. I don't think it's Schroeder. But you, you wrote an article about Dennis Schroeder. Uh, he signed a one-year, five-point-nine million-dollar deal. Obviously, that was big news because he left. Yeah. He declined a, an eighty-four million-dollar contract. Crazy. That much money on the table. My God, but. Your article, you uh, you ranked the likeliest outcomes for yeah. this this upcoming season for Schroeder in uh, Boston. So talk about those. What do you see for Schroeder in Boston? What do you want to see from him? Yeah. So you know, first things first. It's regardless of how you feel about him as a player, it's just a good deal. Like he's he's worth more than six million dollars, right? So here's what I think is going to happen. Um, if I had to bet and I'm not a gambling man, but if it were, I would place a bet that he's just not on this team by the end of the year. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, I don't think he's a player. They're going to be like, ah, oh, I can't believe we signed him. We got to trade him away now. I think he's going to play well. And I think because of that, the Celtics are going to say, okay, like we're not going to win the title. They know that. Um, it, He's the exact type of player who, if, if he plays well for the Celtics this year, he's the exact type of player that a contending team will give up a win. Now team will give up a late round, a late first round pick for. All right. So like if he, you know, I told, I fully expect for him to come off the bench for the Celtics. I think that's the expectation as of right now, although things could definitely change. There's a scenario where he comes off the bench. He averages like 
13 to 14 points per game, four assists, plays spirited defense, is is pretty efficient, and is in like six man of the year running. Like that's that's an actual scenario that could happen. And a team like the Bucks, a team like uh, incidentally enough, a team like Lakers, um, even a team like the Nuggets, who like Jamal Murray is going to be coming back from an injury, right? A team like the Nuggets could be like, wait a minute, we can get this guy for six million dollars, and he, he is not a long term contract. Yeah, like the Nuggets want to win now. I could see them doing it. So I fully expect for him to be off of the Celtics before the year ends. And for them to get some kind of asset, and the asset is going to depend on how well, how well he plays, that's going to range from like a late first round pick to maybe some team gives like a couple of second rounders or like a, a player who's kind of enticing but hasn't really hit yet that you kind of want to take a flyer on. Those are my expectations. But at the end of the day, I just I don't see him being on this Celtic team for more than one year just because they want to keep enough cap space to be able to sign a star like Bradley Beal. Yeah, if he shoots the three, the one like the one year he did in OKC with Chris right. Paul, he'll be easy to move. I agree with you there, especially if he does it uh, when he was like when he was off the ball catch and shoot threes. But if are you try are you saying that you think the Celtics are like punting on this year, or I don't think it's really weird. Like I don't think they're punting on this year. Um, well, yes and no. So. Last year, anything they're going to do this year is going to be better than last year. So they, they're going to be making progress in a sense that like both Jalen and Jason, I think will be happier just because this year is going to go much better. There's going to be less drama. Tristan Thompson brought a little bit of chaos, not so much from the players, but he didn't get along with the coaches. He's going to be gone. The Kemba Walker, like all the cloud surrounding his injury is going to be gone. And they're just going to be a more functional team next year. So they're going to make progress, but they're not trying to win a championship. So they have a really, really weird chance as an organization to get better, not enough to win a title, but to get better and to also play and develop their young assets at the same time. Guys like Pritchard, Neesmith, Langford, Robert Williams. So, you know, I have a feeling a few years from now, we're going to look back at this season. Celtics fans are going to look back and be like, whoa, that was actually a really important and pivotal year because that's when Neesmith became a player. That's when Pritchard became a real guy. And it's precisely because the Celtics aren't trying to win a title. And in a weird way, the really dumpy year they had last year um, has set them up to be able to like punt on this season, but still do it under the facade of getting better as a team. What do you think their ceiling is? For this, uh, for this year? It's a good question. Um, man, their, their ceiling would be squeaking past, like, I, I could see them getting to the second round, but no higher than that, right? Like, you know, if, um, if let's say they finish as, like, the fifth seed and it seemed like the Sixers are the fourth seed, I could see them, I could see them beating that team. Um, they still have some really good players. And Jason Tatum is going to lead the league in, shot, in shots next year for sure. Like, if that's a prop bet, bet it. Um, and that's a good thing. <laughs> he's, he's really freaking good. So I could see them being, like, overachieving with a new coach, being a four-seed or a five-seed, not with expectations to win, but winning a couple – you know, get, making it to the second round. And, hey, that would be better than last year. Yeah. Yeah, that would be better than last year. Yeah. But what is 
Is the end game just, and you mentioned Bradley Beal earlier. We talked about him a couple times. Is the end game just Bradley Beal is friends with Jason Tatum. We're going to sign Bradley Beal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like that's, that's the plan. And there, there are other free agents out there. Um, Zach Levine being one of them. Uh, and he, there's been some stuff with him in Chicago. Like the fact that go, oh, go just, look at some of his comments. Like they just it, pulled a, a Trey young Atlanta Hawks summer to try and get him to stay. I mean, they spent a ton of money for him. He hasn't signed yet, which is not a good sign for the bulls. Yeah. And, his comments, he said stuff like, you know, I just want to feel respected. I don't know who says that. Like, if, if you're planning on signing, I don't know who says that. Who, that amount of money doesn't make you feel respected? They spent all that money for you, dude. <laughs> yeah, and he's already making a ton. But regardless, I, I really think, so next year, Jalen and Jason are going to be just happy as players because um, they both finished, I think, in the top 10 or 11 in field goal attempts next year. They're going to each take a ton of shots, and they're going to get better. And the role players for Boston are going to get better. And, I, and they're going to have the cap space to attract Bradley Beal. And, like, this is not one of those Celtic pipe dreams. Um, this, this one has legs. Like, Bradley Beal knows their coach through Team USA Basketball. And, obviously, Jason Tatum is one of his best friends. And I just don't think a lot of teams are going to have cap space next year. Like the heat are not going to have cap space next year. Um, as of right now, the Knicks shouldn't have too, too much, but they could always wiggle something out, you know, carve some room. Think, yeah. I don't think Beal and the Knicks. I don't think that's, no, I don't think Beal's like, the guy for the Knicks. Ka- Kawhi just resigned with the Clippers, right? Or is yeah. going to today. So yeah. That's, they're not going to have space. I don't think the Lakers are going to have space. Like, I don't know. So that's, they're going to get some kind of player. We don't know who it is, um, but that's their end game to just develop this year, get better, keep, keep the two J's happy by feeding them shots <laughs> in which they will be happy for. And, uh, and then set themselves up for a big name free agent. Okay. Last question before we yeah. wrap up, what was your first impression of GM Brad Stevens? Mm. His off season. Uh, my first impression was I was surprised, but pleasantly. I just, I just think he did some smart moves, right? Like um, the, the, the Schroeder thing is, a, is a steal just in terms of whether you like him as a player or not in terms of value, it's, it's an absolute steal and that's going to get flipped into an asset. Um, I thought the hiring was a really good hiring, mostly because they avoided Jason Kidd, who seems like an absolute like dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a more flowery, yeah. flowery way to put it. No, dude, like he, he is like, you know, whatever, if there's a name for like what you cut off, you know, an uncircumcised winner, like he is that flap of skin. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a name for that, but um, so in, in, you know, their, their new coach is going to be, Yudoka is going to be good. And um, some of the, some of the trades they made, I thought were good. Right. So like Josh Richardson at the very least is someone who played with, uh, um, Udoka and is an expiring contract. He can be flipped again. Uh, I thought the draft pick was good. Bring over Yamadar to see what he has was good. So I'm, I feel like I'm missing something. They got Cantor. I don't know. Like it's, it's just a locker room piece. Um, for, for he's Cantor. not going to play much, is he? No, he's not going to play much, but he actually, he, he did a lot for the Celtics in their locker room. So that was a locker room play right there. And just to keep guys happy. Um, I think they're going to, I'm, I, I'm, good with it so far you know he's very connected to the league he's he's really good at like 
developing and finding talent. So I thought it was good and I think it'll be, it'll stay good. Okay. All yeah, right. That's what You're, I got. Yeah. Yeah. This was great, man. As, as always, always when fun. you come on the show, Matt, this was awesome. It's always fun. Yeah. Now, uh, now why don't you do what everybody loves to do at the end of a podcast and promote yourself? <laughs> promote myself. <laughs> I'm a six foot tall blonde ladies. No, um, <laughs> I mean, that is true, but, uh, I, uh, so yeah, so please guys check out the playgrounder.com. Um, I'm looking, you know, if any, if any of you guys are thinking about writing, just send me, send me a DM on Twitter, uh, at Matt Esposito underscore, or go to the website and work through there. But I'm always looking for writers and specifically, I want to start doing some draft stuff. Uh, mostly because my Yukon Huskies have like two or three draft prospects. So uh, I, I want to get into that, but yeah, that's, that's where you can find my website, playgrounder.com. Go check it out. James book night looking good in summer league today, man. Holy crap. Buying really all good. the, buying all the book night jerseys. Yeah. Looking great for MJ. Um, and <laughs> obviously, uh, listen, subscribe to the Nick state of mind podcast yep. and, uh, subscribe to the newsletter, uh, couch critic, and uh, I'm on Twitter at ChipMurphy7. Uh, follow Danny and Matt on Twitter. Follow uh, Nick's Fan TV. Follow Jeff Campbell. Follow Alex Trataros. Yep. And uh, just, just follow. Just follow. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. 